Hey, it's your pal Mike Shea from Sly Flourish, here with another episode of Sly Flourish's Lazy DM Prep. In this weekly show, I go through steps from Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master while preparing for my Sunday D&D game. In this case, I am running the hardcover adventure, Rhyme of the Frostmaiden. This show, like all of the work of Sly Flourish, is brought to you by the patrons of Sly Flourish. You too can become a patron of Sly Flourish by going to patreon.com slash slyflourish and signing up. So I was in a bit of a scramble last week because I the characters had just arrived at the shores of Grimskull. They had made their way. They had used Anajuk's bell. They had they had swam on the Great Whale, and got gotten over to Grimskull, and were on the shores. And I had no idea what I was going to do. And I scrambled about, and I was frantically sort of building point crawls and setting everything up. And then my game got canceled. Three of the people couldn't make it. And I said, with only three of our normal players, why don't we just call it off for this week and we'll go next week. This week, it looks like many people are going to be here. It was, you know, beginning of summer, Labor Day weekend. Lots of people had lots of things going on. But now I've got, I've, I've got certainly a full group, if not, if not, if not everybody, I'll have mo- almost everybody. So now I'm all set. But it does mean I get two Lazy D and Prep sessions for one session of games, which is a rare Thing. It does mean that we can spend a little bit more time looking at what we had prepared and filling it out more, right? We, we have this opportunity to kind of fill it out more, which is interesting because it's like you, you do the things that matter the most, right, when you're doing your prep. And then there's a diminishing return of like how valuable the activity you're committing helps. And that, that, is, that, that curve is important for, for D&D. It's something that I noticed. I, I did one time when I was running Ghosts of Saltmarsh, it was before I had run Ghosts of Saltmarsh. I was getting ready to run it. And I said, I remember Matt Colville after he his monstrously successful Kickstarter that he said, you know, I have a day today where my only goal is to prep for the game that I'm going to be running. And I was like, wow, that's a rare thing. Like imagine, imagine having a day of your life, an entire day with no other commitment at all other than prepping a D&D game. What would you do? And I said, I'm going to do it, damn it. I'm going to schedule a day. I'm going to pick a day. Luckily, I am very, very privileged in my life to be able to do this. Very few people could probably do this. Where I can basically just kind of push the other commitments aside for a day, kind of let everybody know that I'm not going to be available, right? And say, my whole day is only, the only thing I'm going to do is prep my game. And in this case, I was kind of prepping a campaign, right? Like it wasn't just one game. It was prepping Ghost of Saltmarsh, the whole campaign. And... What I, yeah, and so I, I asked people, like, what would you do? And everyone's like, I'd procrastinate for eight hours, and then I'd panic, right? And I got all sorts of joke replies. So I was like, well, you know, I know, right? I get it. But, but really, what would you want to do? What would you like to do if you had an entire day to prep? And I got a lot of stuff back. I wrote an article about this. Let's, let's take a look. Day prepping D&D. Spending a whole day prepping a D&D game, right? And so this was an article I did back in February of last year been a weird year since then kind of interesting to write read an article pre-covid i published it back then but i actually ran it and i said like what are the things i would do right and i and i i i talked on twitter and i got a bunch of different people that said you know i I did some word analysis on what people replied with maps and npcs players encounters and prep you know lots of different things that people said music minis handouts all that sort of stuff and so i said okay i'm going to spend a day what are the things that i'm going to do that are go beyond the eight steps right if the eight steps are, you know, we, we are all familiar with the eight steps, right? Review the characters, strong start, scenes, secrets and clues, locations, NPCs, monsters, and magic items. This is what we do, and we we figure on about a half hour, right? Like, if, you know, if you cram, it's about a half hour. If you talk a lot, 
on a show about it. It's a, and we talk about the fact you don't always need to do all eight steps for the kind of prep you've got. But if we expanded on this, what we do and return of the lazy dungeon master has a section called other valuable things. And it's music and handouts and lots of different things that return of the lazy dungeon master talks about. If you have extra time and you want to kind of expand your game, there's a few ways you can really make it more interesting by, by, by putting area into the right place. So, but a lot of people talked about maps and preparing maps. I read the, so these are the checklists that I said I was going to do for the full day that I, that I did. I, I guess I talked about my full day of prep on Twitch, prepare the maps, read the adventure, read the appendices, consider character backgrounds and hooks, review and make handouts, collect miniatures for the next few sessions, ponder NPCs and their actions, build a campaign soundtrack, get a prop lantern. I never, had, I never did get the lantern. You know, it's sad. I should have, I should have gotten one, but I never made it. I think I even said I didn't do it, but you know, and I talked about like what I did for each of the hours of the day, printing maps, reading the adventure. And some of it was very useful reading the adventure, this three hours of reading the adventure and reading the adventure with the characters in mind, thinking about how the characters are going to interrelate with this adventure. By this point that we had added session zero, I knew who the characters were, and I knew I was able to like tie in a lot of things. So I wrote down a lot of notes while I was reading the adventure. I got a bunch of miniatures together for many of the adventures. So I don't think I ended up doing music. I already had a good music playlist. So I kind of I kind of mixed up, but I do talk about that here. So it's kind of a fun article. And it was a really fun exercise. I love that idea. But what I what I discovered, I think I talk about it here, right? The diminishing returns, right? This was my this was what I concluded, which was too much time didn't help, right? That there was definitely a fall-off. So one of the things I don't think I did in this article is I went and printed all of the maps that were in Ghost of Saltmarsh at one inch scale in blueprints. So part of that day was me driving around to Staples, picking up a huge collection of maps. I think I used like two of them and I threw the rest away, right? I tossed most of those maps without ever having used them. It turned out having one inch scale maps for every one of those locations wasn't very valuable. I didn't really need it. Some of the maps were just far too big. Like don't print a map bigger than 24 by 36. It's, it's un a 20, anything, any map larger than like, in this case, I had like these 36 by 48 inch maps. I had the entire floor plan for the uh, Sahuagin temple in the final enemy. And there was no place to put them there. I couldn't get them out on the table. They were too big. It was too, it was too much. I had too much stuff. It was too hard to find the maps I needed when I needed them. And then they were too big when I wanted them. So I should have, you know, if I had printed them again, I would have, I would have printed them at a smaller scale, just whatever fits on 24 by 36. So the poster size. And then, so you don't, you don't, you don't use them for minis, right? You don't use them as a tactical battle map. You can just use them to, to kind of keep track of where people are. I did build an entire, I think I built the whole lower floor of the haunted manor in, in the first adventure goes to Saltmarsh in Dwarven Forge. This is a two layer layout. It was really fun. And that, you know, that was part of my day, right? Was building this thing out and it was all on terrain trays so I could move it around. And I used it for two different groups. That was really fun. Like we used it and it was cool and I really enjoyed it, right? So those are, my point is that there's a set of diminishing returns. My other point is that I've already a full hour prepping my session that didn't happen today. So what are the things I can do today that are gonna make it better and make it more efficient is really, boy, there's a long preamble. So instead of generating a new session planning template, we are instead of the 5 September, this is now the 12 September Sunday Frostmaiden game. Now. It has been a week since I reviewed the characters, so it's probably worth reviewing again, right? You can never go wrong by drawing the characters into your brain once again so that before your game, you have the characters in mind, right? We always try to keep the characters in mind. So we have five characters, and I think I'm going to prep them all because I don't know that anybody cannot make it. So we have Ilda. Ilda is a half-elf, half-goliath. She is either 
a blood relative of the Elder Evil Throne, or a blood relative of the Frost Maiden, or not a blood relative of anybody particular at all, except for she is definitely a blood relative of Auk and Dawncaller. She is Auken's half sister. Her mother is her father is Auken's father as well. And so there's interesting stuff there. I don't know how much that's going to come up in in this next sessions game. But yeah, she's now kind of a family member of the Dawncaller clan and that and she's very pleased about this. She's kind of found some closure in her life, which is nice. Shadowhawk is a half mind flayer, half drow who he has a mind flayer symbiote in his head that is that is usurping a lot of control. And he is being hunted by assassins from House Zolaren in Menzo Baranzan, but they're certainly not coming to Grimskull. So I don't think we're going to be dealing with his assassins anytime soon. Auken Dawncaller is a Goliath who has seen visions of something powerful under the ice. He's sort of gotten visions of Thrun. Maybe, maybe he has the blood of Thrun in him too. Wouldn't that be interesting? I don't know. What if his origin was actually closer to Ilda's than she knows? Uh, Gore Wen Alcazar is a uh, member of the Wen Alcazar Trading Associates. Uh, he has a he's a secret heir of the Grey Castle family. That is going to be a fun reveal at the end of this, and everyone's going to be like the who, and he's like, well, you don't know who the Grey Castles are. It's going to be very we have Perrin Fat Rabbit. Perrin is a uh, halfling conspiracy theorist who was kidnapped by mind flayers. He has like weird mind flayer veins under his skin where they were going to implant stuff and then never finished it. So he does not have a symbiote in his head, but he's got he's had visions and stuff. He is seriously considering flying off with his mind flayer brother on the Id the Idescendant and going off into the astral sea. I would not be surprised if that ends up being his if that if that ends up being his his final origin. Candle in the Dark. Candle is a former member. of of the Xanathar guild in uh, Skullport and he and his family, and they actually uh, hunted down and killed the assassin, Shakar Ballard, who had been hunting for him. They, they hunted down the assassin and killed him. And that was really cool. So that is, those are the characters for today's game. The question is like, are in their backgrounds and stuff like that, do any of them have a background that specifically ties them to the things going on in Grimskull? or the frost maiden or the, the the druids and i i'm not i don't think so i don't think we've got many i don't think there's a lot of connections here but you never know you never know what'll come up so those are the characters of today's game i had already developed a strong start and the strong start was frost giants they're on the frost giant docks there's these huge set of stairs there's a the massive remoraz skulls uh on on spikes right they're not massive they're just regular sized remoraz skulls remoraz skulls on spikes there is a swamped war. There are swamped warships to the east and west, actually to the north and south. Right, dire uh, dire sharks, dire shark attacks, and Sopo comes to help. Appropriately large Remoraz skulls. Exactly. I think this is good. The dire shark. What were we going to use for the dire shark? Is there? There's a giant shark, right? And I think we're just going to use the giant shark and probably give him a couple of bite attacks just to make him particularly nasty since there's just the one of them like yeah and monsters oh, we're gonna have dire shark which is a giant shark dire shark will be a giant shark with two bite attacks you know this is one of those like you you want to dork with the action economy a little bit and you want to you know if they don't have if they don't have a lot of attacks and there's only the one of them probably better off to just give him another attack right even though it's like 44 points of damage you know i think that that will i think that that will be fine so we have a dire shark we can link that oops why is it bolded there we go cool uh and then we're gonna meet sopo 
Sopo is a E.B. E. Farnham from Deadwood is the character archetype we're going to use. If you haven't seen E.B. Farnham in Deadwood, you should go check out Deadwood. It's one of the best television shows ever. And so what does Sopo want? Sopo, who does he work for? He's kind of a mischievous guy. I don't think he will be directly against. He could have sort of like, you know, he's bored. He's bored and wants to see some fun stuff, right? He's interested to kind of see fun stuff, right? He doesn't care about the characters. He doesn't, he's, he fears Oral, right? She fears Oral, we'll make it her she, right? That Sopo's you know, female leaning for an elemental thing. Uh, so fears Oral, but is interested in kind of seeing mischievous stuff. I think that that will be, and kind of, you know, kind of like doesn't want to get hurt and kind of weaselly. Weasley's not a, so I think that I think I think that works for Sopo and NPCs we have Sopo so they'll meet Sopo so that'll be fun so we have the docks and then they have the choice of exploring Grimskull Island right and Grimskull I I built a page for Grimskull and then arrival at the fortress right and then we got to figure out that yeah so I've got a whole page here for Grimskull including a cool point crawl map that we developed last time we could talk more about point crawls and then i've got these encounters but we'll, we'll think more about that and so we'll, when we get down to locations we'll, we'll think about that secrets and clues so grimskull was built thousands of years ago by frost giants who worshipped oral the codicil of the white is a collection of ancient magic collected by the druids of oral for centuries oral used the codicil to channel the energy of thrun in, in to create the endless night the spell must be countered to end the endless night, but its source of its power must also be severed. You have to do two things. You have to end the spell and cut off its power to return night to return day to Icewind Dale. A manifestation of Oral walks on Grimskull Isle. She's around here. Oral herself has fashioned a garden of ice sculptures. Oral travels across Icewind Dale on the back of a giant rock called Iskra. Deep icy tunnels cross the isle. And layers of ancient dead lie within. The frost the frost druids loyal to Oral come to Grimskull to pay homage to pay homage to the to the frost to the frost maiden and to be tested. Iskra often guards the path to the gates of Grim. So those are my secrets. Are there any other additional secrets? One big question that I have to figure out is what to do with the tests inside Grimskull itself. This is something I worry about because I don't think I like the tests as they are in the book. So I want to come up with different tests as well. I want to come up with my own and I might base them loosely on the themes that are in the book. And I do like the idea that these are the tests that druids of that that druids of oral would have to follow. So our secrets and clues I think are pretty solid. Do I need anything else? I things may come up, but we'll see. So locations, I created a I created a Grimskull location page because I plan on using this for multiple games, probably multiple games for this group and for and to use for my other Wednesday group as well. So this is where we have Grimskull. That's the castle itself, which is pretty cool. Lots of interesting artwork that we can use for this too. And so I created a point crawl for this last time. I use, the tool I use for the point crawl is called graphviz.it. If you go here, you can sort of paste a graph representation in here. This is the graph code. We'll paste it in to show what it looks like. Whoops, right? And it builds out this, this nice point crawl for it. So I think that that 
I, I'm, I'm happy with that. I don't think I need to put any more work into that, really. There's a lot of kind of different places to go, lots of secret passages. The question is like, do I know how all of these will work? So I think somebody said like, well, how the hell do you run this, right? You've got this, what the hell do you do? And so you say like, okay, the characters are starting at the Frost Giant docks, right? From here, they have uh, a few different ways they can go. There's the icy, I put little location, these are the paths. So a point, what's a point crawl? A point crawl is a way of handling overland travel in D&D that revolves around locations and the natural paths that connect them. So if you think about like towns and roads, right? There's, if, if I'm going from, I've got a map on my wall here. If I'm going from Baldur's Gate to Neverwinter, right? I've got a bunch of different towns along the way and a bunch of different locations like the Troll Claws, Dragon Spear, the Daggerford, Waterdeep. And then I've got paths that take us there. Like there are some rivers that go there. There's the shoreline. And there's multiple paths that can go to multiple locations, right? I don't have, if I don't want to go through the Troll Claws, I could instead go through the Mirror of Dead Men. I'm making that up. I think the Mirror of Dead Men's way to the north. The, the, the Troll Hills, right? I can go through, hey, get trolls no matter which way you go. So... It's a way of offering up multiple paths to the characters for them to take, multiple choices that they can take. And they can learn about the path as they go. In this case, they don't know anything about Grimskull, so they're only ever going to be able to see one node out at any given time. And so when they're on the docks, when they've explored the docks, after they deal with dire sharks and meeting Mopo, Mopo might be able to tell them, hey, you know, they can say like, oh, if I, if I look north and I look south, there's rocky paths and there's there's shipwrecks on both sides and and sopo sopo i think sopo will say oh yeah there's great treasure in those places no dangers at all it's really a great it's pretty great right so they can take and and actually i could i could add these are what are they icy cliffs right so the frost giant docks to the titan howler and to the shadow storm both have icy cliffs uh, along the way, all right? So I put icy cliffs in there. So there's icy cliffs that take you to the, the, Titan, the Titan Howler or the Shadow Storm, uh, Shadow Storm, the two shipwrecks. And then I can use the random tables that are inside the section to decide like what's actually in these places. Then there's also the icy switchback path that takes them to, that leads up to the Yeti Caves, right? They travel up to the Yeti Caves. Now, and then they deal with whatever's in the Yeti Caves, which is probably Yetis, right? And then at the Yeti Caves, there's actually, it's like a hub of different paths. There's an underground river that they could follow that leads to the Dragon Bones. They might find a hidden tunnel that can lead them back to the Frost Giant Tombs. They can see that there's an icy path that leads out of the Yeti Caves to the, the Garden of Sculptures, right? And they can choose which one of these different paths do we want to take. There's obviously the way they came. So this becomes like a four-part hub. Then they might say, oh, we want to try that underground river. So they take the underground river. They get up to the dragon's bones, right? This big cave where there's huge dragon's bones. Dragon's bones, of course, has a bone littered tunnel that leads between the frost giant tombs and dragon's bones. They also have game paths. The dragon's bones are probably outside of the dragon bones are half in and half out of the mountainside, right? So there's game paths that can lead to the druid circle. There's a deep cleft that leads to the effigy of the one below there. And then there is a probably the dragon's bones. You know, maybe there's another game path that leads to the Garden of Sculpt, right? I think any of the ones that aren't labeled are icy paths. 
the Garden of Sculptures, they can travel to straight from the Garden of Sculptures to Grimskull. So that's like the fastest way would be Giant Docks, Yeti Caves, Garden of Sculptures, and then Grimskull, and then they're there, right? So it's essentially about four different, you know, the minimum number of paths to get there would be four. But there's lots of different ways that they could that they could use to actually get there. They could also go from the Garden of Sculptures to the Druid Circle or to the Hot Springs, the Effigy, the one below, you know, they, they, there's lots of different places that they can get to to get to Grimskull. I think the Effigy, the one below to Grimskull is a, a hidden path do that with a style dashed yeah because it's a the effigy of the one below is pretty hidden so when we say hidden it means like you're probably gonna have to do a perception check to be able to figure out that there's a path that way a passive perception will probably discover it so we have a we have a character who has like a passive perception of like 18. he's gonna see all of the hidden tunnels like all of these hidden paths but the fact that they're hidden is interesting right it's it's not whether or not they discover them or not it's that because it's like they know that there's something down there right? They can feel the wind blowing through the, the, the underground river. They know that there's another chamber on the other side. They don't know what's there and they don't know if they need to go that way, but they could decide, like, do they want to explore? And Sopo's like, oh, you should definitely explore this whole place. Like it's, you know, great stuff here. So, so that's how the point crawl works. And I think this is, you know, it's a lot of detail in here, but it's cool. It's kind of rich. And it didn't take, like, I, I built this whole thing last game, right? So it took like, and it's okay. I'm not, I'm not building huge things for all of these locations. The question is, is this enough for me to improvise these places, right? I'm going to save this uh, now that I see store. Uh, I think SVG works. I think if I do an SVG, it'll work. So let's let's find out. If I go in here and I delete this and I go slash image, choose an image. Hey, look, SVGs work. SVGs are nice. The scalable vector format is a way of having an image like this that when you blow it up real big never gets dithered you know it's 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 these like the, the text is actual text in this it's not it's not a ping it's not a bitmap graphic so i've got all these locations they're all written on i actually don't even need this list here because i've got it here right and now this is kind of out of date so i think i'm going to just yank this section because i don't need it oh i guess you know what i could use it for i'll keep it because i could talk about what is in these locations so one of the things i could do to do a little bit more prep today is is so i should probably think about you don't want to do a lot of wasted time on this like they may decide that they're totally not going to either of those ships so how much time do you want to spend filling out the titan howler or the shadow storm what i will probably do is go to the link to grimskull in the book and there's like a there's a i think there's a shipwreck table in here if i recall this is actual grim skull i want to do the island shipwreck discovery so which of these looks like it would be cool we have the frost giant skeleton probably not we have the 20 ghouls probably not we have the giant sharks probably not because i'm using those already we have a marrow make a lair stash of the hold marrow are what those are kind of cool they're transformed merfolk yeah so i think marrow this this marrow encounter would be pretty cool and that's a lot of marrow right that's dangerous so we'll stick we'll stick those guys in one of the shipwrecks. And the cheat is like you could have the same you could have the same encounter for either ship if they only pick one. Three sea hags have turned it into the lair. We've dealt with hags already, so I think I'm going to avoid the hags. An awakened walrus greets the characters. Walrus then speaks common allows character to take the potion from around snack then waste combined. That's kind of dumb. So these you know the funny thing is only one of these actually really grabs me. The ghoul pirate one is could be kind of interesting. The 20 ghouls. Pirate ghouls would be kind of fun. Um, trapped in the ship, right? 
and we should put a treasure parcel. We should probably enjoy some treasure there. So let's take a look and go to my treasure generator. Boop. And we'll do a challenge rating five. And that's a lot of stuff. Big treasure parcel, but this is gonna be with the 20 ghouls, right? Oh, I already have that. Yeah, okay. So we've got treasure. We got all that kind of stuff. The brooch of shielding. The ruined dock we already have, right? Dire sharks and Sopo. Icy cave. So we're, boy, that's kind of a boring description, isn't it? Oh, we have the Yeti caves. I don't know about icy caves. Icy caves are the, the, the paths that lead there. Icy cliffs and icy caves. We don't care about that. But we have the Yeti caves. So let's, yeah, let's look at our, so Titan Howler bang. Yeah, so next would be Yeti caves, right? And here we have some band of normal Yetis. So what is our, they are six level. Let's say there's six of them. That's 36, that's 18. So how many Yetis are CR 18? That would be deadly. How many Yetis make sense? Six makes sense. Six times three is 18. <laughs> Look at that. It was exactly right. So I have six Yetis and then a Yeti abomination. The Yeti abomination comes in later. So this would be a great big... The Tomb of the Frost Giant Legionnaires. So they would definitely be Frost Giant Skeletons, probably three of them. Frost Giant Skeletons are really brutal, but three of them make sense. They are CR6. Again, hey, look, 18 right in the number. So three. The Garden of Ice Sculptures, I think, is in the book. Let's take a look. The Garden of Death. Boring. Ice statues. So if they screw with it, a frost giant maiden makes her presence known, manifesting nearby as a seven-foot-tall woman made of snow. She cries with defilers. Each crash defile must succeed, and JC's will be vulnerable to cold damage for 24 hours. That's pretty great. So I think we'll just steal this right out of it. And then the abominable yeti, Korgoth, the abominable yeti commands, if the yeti was already destroyed, what might come out? Ice trolls? pair of ice trolls that's pretty great uh yeti caves you already did do, 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 do. the frost giant tombs we did yeti caves you did dragon bones see none these aren't these are all like old now what if oral woke up the dead dragon so there is a zombie dragon it's not a dracolich but in in toma beast 2 is a zombie dragon toma beast 2 is an awesome book of monsters the zombie dragon, page 385. There it is. Uh, a young blue dragon. Challenge rating is 10. Uh, three attacks, bite, and two claws. It is not a legendary creature. As rotting breath. That's pretty great, right? So I think we'll use this. I think that's cool. Nice straightforward monster. We'll grab this. And in here, we will have zombie dragon we can make this a new page so that would be pretty good maybe we'll throw a treasure parcel in there if we want and oral could wake could wake up the the, the dragon bones we have the garden of sculptures the druid circle so they could learn some stuff at the druid circle right maybe there's would there be frost druids at the druid circle dead oh how, how creepy is this Oh, crap. Oh, you can't, you can't. How about Frost Druids who froze to death in prayer? That'd be kind of cool. And there's some uh, opportunities to learn secrets. Is there any NPCs that we could meet there? I don't think so. I don't think we need any NPCs. They got Sopo. What else do you need if you don't have Sopo? The Effigy of the One Below, right? So what would be here? What about like cultists, cult fanatics? 
of Thrun could be there. Effigy of Thrun. And they would have an opportunity for secrets there. Right? I think that would be that would be kind of a cool they could learn stuff there. The hot springs, boiled bones. I think the hot springs are a trap, right? They're like the lobster with the heat that continually goes up. You get charmed to stay inside as it boils you alive. Oral would do this as one of the trials, right? Oh, you want to, you, you know, you want some warmth? You should totally be warm. You know, you should totally be warm. Somebody says a boiling water elemental. Not a bad idea. Maybe, right? Depends on how many fights we've had. Is it, is it, do we really want more fights? I don't know. Those are the hot springs. So we've got the Druid Circle. We have the Effigy, the one below. We have the hot springs. And then we have Grimskull, right? So that's pretty well set. So now, so we've tied some encounters. We've tied some things. Again, you see how loose this is, right? Like this is like, I don't want to spend more than a few minutes on any one of these locations because like, I don't know if they're going to go here at all. Both groups could skip them, but I've got enough that I can probably improvise a pretty cool scene. I could probably, you know, if I have this effigy, the one below, and it's like cult fanatics of Thrun and the effigy, right? I could probably run 30 minutes there for, for 10 minutes of work. You find, not even 10 minutes. How long did it take me to write two lines, right? 30 seconds of work for 30 minutes. That's pretty efficient. But I, I think I could improvise this, right? So I think that that's where some of that, that key comes from. Yeah, so the, the charm, right? That they get charmed when they go into the water. Like, they, they, it doesn't charm them to go into the water. It charms them when they touch the water. If they touch the water, they feel it. If they get near it or they do anything, then the water tries to charm them. And then it's like, this is really great. And then they lie in there and they just take boiling damage until their bones boil. And they can look. And like anybody that looks inside can see in the clear water and see that there's bones of failed druids uh, on the outside. So that's pretty good. Then I, I do have some encounters here, right, of some other things. A few of these I'm, I, I have in locations, so I might not use them if they don't go, if they don't go uh, anywhere else. But I think that that would work. Because that Oni, I have this Oni prisoner of Oral. Where might the Oni be? The Oni might be here, right? What is the Oni's name? Let's make a, let's make a new NPC here for funsies. What is a good name for an Oni? Let's go to my names. Names, Melisine, Melisine Spine Runner. I like Melisine. That's a cool name. Melisine what? Half Melisine Halfcaster. I don't know. That's kind of cool. Let's see. Oni pretending to be a fallen frost druid of Oral seeks escape from the island, trapped by Oral, and will be trapped as long as Oral lives. So the Oni really wants, and how does the Oni, the Oni probably can't be killed and probably wants the characters to face Oral and knows, so knows about the Codicil, knows about its connection, Thrun, suggests that they smash the statues which will certainly get in Oral's ire. I suggest they burn the codicil, which will summon Oral, on the hopes that maybe they succeed, right? I think that that's pretty cool. That's an NPC. And the location for that, we're gonna call this Grimskull Island, right? This Oni is at the Druid Circle. I think that'd be pretty cool. Okay. So that removes a lot of these random encounters, which is fine. 
those are good. Those are gone. Dying Frostridge, sure. Frostridge with Winterwolf, sure. Awaken Polar Bear with Bloody Maw, sure. Frost Trench, sure. Icy Go Pirates, we already have those. The Rock, and we already have the Yetis. Second is an encounter list that's a D8, which is perfectly fine. So I've got, you know, a lot of extra work at this point is probably, oh yeah, I, there is an area where I can put more attention. But when I think about like the next session or two, probably a session, I, I hope that they don't take more than a session to get to Grimskull, right, itself. But we wanna have some interesting things for them to do along the way. If they wanna take longer, they can certainly take longer. And maybe Sopo convinces them to, to take longer. But as it stands right now, like I feel pretty good. I like what I've got here and I like it better than what's in the book, which you know people would want, right? Like any a DM has built something that, oh, what did I just do? I generated a session challenge tip, but I didn't wanna do that. So I got my strong start. I got my scenes. I got my secrets and clues. I got my locations. I've got cool NPCs. I got lots of monsters. I've got lots of treasure that I put in. Oh, I wanna give this far realm shard. That's important. I don't know where we're gonna put that, but I gotta remember to give the far realm shard because I think that'd be cool for the sorcerer, for Shadowhawk. I think he'll dig that. That'd be right along his uh, cool mind flayer stuff, right? Like I'll embed in his head. I don't know how he'll get that. I think it'll call him. Maybe at the, I think the altar of Thrun will call him. That'd be kind of neat. But I got a bigger problem, right? I want to, I want to solve. So, so that's good. Today's session is good. I'm good. And now I'm going to prep a little bit of the next session. I'm probably not going to spend a lot of time on it because it's already, it's already 11:10, and my game's at noon. But I want to think a little bit about the trials. So in the book, when they get to Grimskull, I think I think the Grimskull Fortress is fine for the most part, except for the trials. I really don't like the trials. And I don't like them because the timing, I don't like them for two reasons. One is I think it's lame that it's like, hey, eat people, right? That So we have cruelty, endurance, and isolation are the trials. And they... They're, they're all ways to sort of test, you know, to sort of test the characters. I don't want to take a long time with these. I do want to think about what they would do, you know, if, if we're, let's, let's, where am I going to do this? We're going to, we're going to make, we'll just make a new page right here for the time being. And, and we'll call them the Trials of Oral, right? And... So what I, what I don't like about the ones that are in there, what I don't like about the ones that are in there is that, A, the timing is really weird. You go into the trial and you are teleported to one of the Regged tribes where you have to conduct yourself in a manner that, that, that Oral would like, which includes like engaging in cannibalism or murdering people or doing some. But it says that it's not the trial. You're actually doing it. You actually teleport to that tribe at that point. But I'm like, well, what if you waited a day? Like, what if you took a long rest? Would the situation be different? Why is it that the situation is always the same regardless of when you teleport in? As a player, I would ask this question. Like, what if I hadn't shown up when I showed up? Right. And you could have some kind of destiny thing. Like you were destined to do it then. Right? You're like, well, how did the other, what, what trials did the other druids face when they came here? Did they go to the ragged tribes? And if so, were the ragged tribes still in the same situation? Like it doesn't make any sense, right? The timing of them is really weird. And the other thing I didn't like about them was that like, it just made characters do icky stuff and I didn't want to. So I'd like, but you know, I'm good with the idea of trial, cruelty, endurance, and isolation. Right. So my, my question is like, what would be fun you know, what would, what trials would Oral put her druids through, right? So these are trials she has set up here in Grimskull to test the metal of, to test the metal of potential worshipers of herself, right? 
Is there a third? Is there preservation? Is another one? Did I miss? Did I miss one? Isolation. Preservation. Sure. I don't know that I'm going to be able to do it here on the show, but I want to think about what trials. If if let's pretend for a minute I was commissioned to write up scenarios for the trials of oral that follow these themes, and and the angle is that Oral has created these trials to test her frost druids. So the characters have to go through these trials in order to open the vault doors to get to the codicil of the white. They have to go through the same trials that, that her most loyal frost druids would have to go through, like, and had to go through this, right? What would they have to do? Now they could be character driven, right? Like, but then how would they know? So these are almost like the trials that like Raistlin and and Caramon had to do, or that Raistlin had to do at the Tower of the Magi, right in Dragonlance, and he ended up having to like kill his brother, and he did it, and he, he you know realized. So there should be a good option that is harder, more costly, painful. I wonder that, but like, wouldn't wouldn't all of these have one solution, and the solution is something that breaks your humanity, right? The solution, you know, the choice you have to make a choice. And the choice has to be a hard choice that kind of removes your humanity, right? It removes your, like, isolation's trial, you know. Isolation would be about, like, leaving leaving behind your tribe, leaving behind the people that you followed, right? But, but how would you know that, right? Like, you know, and it could be, like, a little, a bit of fun. Maybe it's, like, per character, Right. Like they the characters choose, but only one character has to make the choice. And maybe it's based on maybe it's based on them. So like maybe for for cruelty, what would be like, you know, who would who would be the one like what if. Oh, man. So for cruelty, what if Perrin here's I think this is better. Right. Has to put the mind flare, the mind flare symbiote into his brother's body. Right. Oh man. Right. Endurance. Who, who would have one for endurance? So like isolation, we could have that Auken has to leave his tribe behind forever. Endurance. So somebody has to endure something. Why is it a group trial when the others are single personal? I think it's just going to like, as they open it up, like you know, when they go in, one of them is chosen to do this. I don't know why, but I think it's, it's cooler. Like, I don't want to have each player have to do a thing for their character for each trial. That's kind of lame. I'm just going to pick four of the players, four of the characters, and each one of those has to succeed in their trial for the group to move forward. Right. I think that that would be, I think that that works better. Endurance. So who do we have left of the characters? We have Shadow. We have Ilda. We have, oh man. Endurance could be Gore losing all his money. How? How does he have to lose his money? If any one character falls. So there's no failure. The failure is the character's not willing to do it. And if the character's not willing to do it, they're not willing to do it. Right? They'll have to figure it out some other way. There's not like a skill check, right? This is this each character has to make a choice, and the choice is what's kind of pushing them away from whatever it is that they have to do. I have to think about what that situation is. As the only temptation for the PC's access to the location, is there something personally tempting? Like, do they gain something? Maybe they gain a boon, right? Could they get a boon of oral? Maybe. The Goliath leaving is, oh, what? what? So we have Gore, we have Perrin, we have Auken, Shadow, Ilda, and who, who am I forgetting? Oh, Candle. 
So what uh, preservation? Like what is what does preservation mean? Could it be entombing oneself? I, I think this would be a good one for Ilda, right? Ilda has to become the avatar of Thrun. I think that that would be cool. I think what we will do is I'm going to let those sit and then we're going to worry about some of these things next week and, and figure out like, what are the details of these scenes? Like if we're going to have four scenes, they're based on the characters. I like that idea a lot. I like that. They, these are, these are ways for the characters to have to sort of deal with their own, you know, they're ways for the characters to have to deal with their own their own backgrounds. Maybe I'll actually come up with, you know, six so that if one of the players is out there, I can replace some of them. But I think it's a way that they have to like make a really hard choice about their character based on the background of their character. Like Candle has to leave, you know, other ones could be Candle has to leave his family or let them, has to turn over his family to the Xana. That's Candles. And then Shadow has to give himself over to the matron mother of house lauren who dissects him alive to learn about his connection to the illithids right i think that that will be cool and this kind of leads to one final secret which i'll put in which i think they you know i think we can put in something for the trials i like these a lot right i think that these are really cool I'm, I'm, I'm happier. I'm happier going the direction I am. I'm happier because they're character driven. They're a way for me to really pull on the backgrounds of the characters and do things that the players have loved about their characters, but twist them in this terrible way. So the trials of the Frostmaiden break down those who take them uh, from their humanity. They strip the tester, the t the, the, they, they strip the tested of their connections to their former lives. The hard answer is always the right one. It's a big secret. I think we are all set for today's game. I'm excited about it. I feel even more prepared than I felt last time. I feel like I've got multiple sessions worth of prep ready. I've certainly for multiple games. So I think we are good. So I want to thank everybody for hanging out with me today to help me prepare my D&D game. If you enjoyed this show, there are five things you can do to help me out. Number one, you can subscribe to the Sly Flourish newsletter. Number two, you can subscribe to my videos on YouTube. Number three, you can support me directly by going patreon.com slash Sly Flourish and becoming a patron of Sly Flourish. Number four, you can pick up any of my existing books, including Runes of the Grendel Root, Fantastic Layers, and others. And number five, you can sign up to be reminded of the upcoming Lazy DMs Companion Kickstarter, which is going to take place on the 28th of September. You can... Go visit the Lazy DMs Companion Kickstarter page and no be notified... Click the notify me on launch button and you will be notified immediately as the campaign goes live and you can go and get an 18 page preview of this book. I'm very excited for the book. I think you're going to love it. Uh, talks about lots of the different things that we've talked about here, including point crawls and wilderness travel and all kinds of stuff. Really great stuff. Uh, thank you very much for coming. Have a great day and get out there and play some D&D.